with JV to the pros, news, views, and oddities. I am Jack Vecchio with my partner, the Iron Man of Broadcasting, Corey Iron Man. Ramsey, how are you, my friend? Jack, I'm getting better. Slowly but surely, the back and the elbow. I'm going to be back to being Iron Man soon, or at the very least, War Machine. Yeah, but you're so, taller than Don Cheadle, though. Yeah, that's yeah, that's true. But you know what? Uh, <laughs> didn't they have Ter- they had Terrence uh, Howard that was the original um, guy that was going to be War Machine? So maybe, maybe he's my height, and maybe I can just Corey, play him. Corey, let me put things in perspective. Literally, Don Cheadle, Don Cheadle can stand behind you on the beach and nobody know he was there you're that much bigger than he is <laughs> but i'll tell you what man i'd love to have his money oh, i mean how much i mean how much did you get paid for those uh you know for those iron man and those avenger movies i mean millions and millions for that so you know what i might take off a couple of inches of my height I mean, I'm uh, I'm six feet when I stand up straight. But you know what? If you want to pay me uh, ten million per picture, I'll go back there. I'll go down to five eight. Hey Corey, hey guys, I got the number here. Corey, I got his number. What's that? It is a whopping. Add another twenty five million to that number. That's where you're going to be. He's looking at thirty five million dollars. That is his net worth. Yeah, uh, you know what? Make me five eight. I'm good. Wait a second. Uh, this I'll is be taller like, than my wife. I'll be still taller than my wife, and that works. That this works. is like a Twilight Zone episode where a guy will sell inches of his height for for like money at a time. You remember that episode where a guy sold the guy sold years of his life for money? Yes. Hey, you know what, yes. Corey? That's your next Tales of the Unexpected Volume Three right there. That's a good point. That's inches. A good, that's, that's the title right there. Inches. And I like note of that. How short will you I, go? I like it. What's four inches, really? I mean, seriously, what is four inches? I know size matters to some people, but you know what? Four inches. Who cares? Well, four inches is what uh, uh, the drill instructor told uh, Gomer Pyle. That's how far he's got to hold his rifle, you know? I love it. I'm sure, I love there, it. I'm sure there was another joke in there for the R-rated version of that show. <laughs> yeah. right. Hey, wait a second, so, guys. We have to introduce ourselves. So uh, That's a good point. Talk yeah. to us. Talk to us. The last man standing yeah. that you're hearing. Right. And I'm first to call, genius. ironically. Thank you, guys. I love the, appreciate yeah. the love here. All right, let's go to our uh, straight out of New York himself, fresh from the taxi uh, taxi cab himself, Jack Vecchio. <laughs> I am Jack, and I'm here with the queen of Queens, New York, the queen of Queens. How can I forget? Our co-producer, Karen. Hello. Hi, Karen. Hello. What's up, I think Karen? Jack would rather be in cash cab. Wait, don't you want to hey, be Andy Kaufman? Thank you very much. We're getting ready. We're getting ready to lose the Queen of Queens for a few weeks as she's going what? to New York for her family get together. Wait, so are you sure you want to be Queens? Wait, don't you what? think I, that wouldn't be advisable? Because when she comes back, she's going to be in quarantine for four, for like two weeks, right? Yeah, that's quite all right with me, though. I mean, I'll be here. I've been quarantining anyway. Exactly. <laughs> so, 
She lives with Jack, so she's in quarantine already. <laughs> and if they say, well, you need your own bathroom in your own bedroom, I already have that. <laughs> to, so, be, to be honest with you, you guys don't know, but I mean, Karen, Karen mentions it once in a while, but I'm actually unknowingly, unwittingly, pretty entertaining by accident around the house. I'm sure. I believe, I've been I mean, in your place, I so I can imagine that. Yeah, I mean, I make it a playground. So, Corey, what have you been up to this past week? Well, you know what? Uh, aside from work, I have to tell you, I've been paying attention a little bit to um, social media, and it's not necessarily a topic, but have you guys heard of this woman by the name of Clara Janover? Does that name ring a bell to you guys? Not a ring. Not a ring at all. I've been following social media, and this is a this is a gal that actually told people that she was going to stab them if they said all lives matter. Oh, I know who this is. Yes. Yes. Wouldn't that constitute a threat? A Harvard. Well, that's why she got fired from her job, and she's Mm -hmm. um, under a little bit uh, under a little bit of fire right now. But you know. If you're wondering where your dollars go, parents out there, Harvard grad, I'm a stab you. Gotta love it. Oh, she's a Harvard grad? She is a Harvard grad. And you know what? I, I want you guys to listen to her. Listen to this. The next person who has the sheer nerve, the sheer entitled caucasity to say all lives matter, I'm a stab you. I'm a stab you. And while you're struggling and bleeding out, I'm going to show you my paper cut and say, my cut matters too. Oh, my God. No. Wait, wait, I can wait, 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 wait. We have done. Wait, that, this is, this is on, way. Wow. Hang on a second. Corey, is that doctored at all? What's that? Is that, that doctored at all? No, that is not doctored. That is un. That is pure, raw, Clara... I'm going to stab you, Janover. <laughs> that's uh, a yes. funny way to put it. That's right. So if you want, so everybody out there that is in the Black Lives Movement, bring her in. That's what you want. That is who you want to be the face of your movement. The face of that the is, movement. That is frightening that anyone would think that way. Anyone. It's just anyone. Because yes, I, I do want to get to a point where we just simply look at all lives matter. When I'm oh, trying to I swing the pendulum, you, but I got to tell you, it gets it gets better. It gets better now. This is after after she um, posts what she posts, and she's getting a lot of feedback. So here you go. This is her. Twitter has made my name a hashtag that trended on Twitter last night in just 12 hours because of my Black Lives Matter post on TikTok. Go watch my old videos to see how it all started. And escalated into Ann Coulter and a lot of other famous conservatives. Taking an analogy that I made very seriously. That was not an analogy. That was a freaking, that was a threat. Listen up. Your small paper cut that's completely irrelevant. It is analogously the same as people saying all lives matter to black lives matter. It was hyperbole and political satire. And actually it was, it was a good TikTok. But goddamn, people thought I was actually threatening to stab them. And now we have Trump Twitter and my name trending. With messages like these, reporting me to the FBI, no. I've gotten rape and death threats, and I got about 
that, no, messages no, from Trump supporters. You, you, you know what? I think I've heard it. So there you, Corey, that's unprotected speech. Let's be honest about this. She con- That constitutes a threat under any circumstances. And any lawyer in the world will tell you the same thing. I I couldn't agree more. I, I find it humorous that she actually posted that. This now, is was she drunk? drunk? Was she drunk? What's that? No. They, remember, no, no, she is no, her own no. sound body and, and mind, you know? But this is what I'm talking about here. You know, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you something. You guys better be careful because she's going to come and she's going to stab you too. So you better watch what you say. Well, you know what? I got a wow. layer of fat around my stomach, so, you know, have at it. But it's... Uh, but... I want this girl. I want her on our podcast. I want to talk to her. I want to know... Do you really Why want to be associated with that? Like, I'm, I just like, you know, we're a pretty good show right now, guys. I mean, I don't want it to get like, you know, you know, soaking wet and just like, ugh. Well, wait a second. Now that you made that joke about yourself, no. I think that opens the door and I can have a lot of fun every time you mention working out. <laughs> well, actually, Jack, I've been working out consistently. So uh, I've already lost like five inches off my waistline. Well, I understand. I, I get that. But, you know, trim, trimming back hair doesn't count. Okay. <laughs> Go back to your taxi cab, Thank you, huh? Taco. Yes. Thank you, Taco. Thank you, Taco. question. Good for you, Paco. To answer the question, yes, I would like her on because I would like to talk to her. I would like to talk to her and find out Wait. why oh, okay. she thought it was okay to post that and then the fact that she didn't think that there would be any sort of retaliation that if you threaten people you know what it is Corey on social media it's because they feel what that they're thousands doing thousands and people have access to well I can give you a little insight because she looks around my age um, she feels emboldened to do this because she feels like she has a moral obligation to say these things that's where they're coming from. They don't think from a. They're thinking from not from an uh, from a logical standpoint. They're thinking from the heartache and the tarnish, because when you grow up watching, you know, the last five or six years, especially now, thanks to social media, now we've been exposed to you know police brutality on a wider scope than what was previously you know seen, because beforehand the precedent was the Rodney King riots in '92. No, I get all that. I want to talk. I well, still would what. like to have her. Because I want to hear from her. I, I would like. I really like want to, hear to try her. to reach out. And I mean, I was. I, I wondered. Um, you know, there's several people yeah. in the news that you know we would love to sit down and chat with. Um, I mean, if you could reach out to her, she'd probably be much more receptive to you than me. Um, you know, I still, I still am hoping that we get a chance yeah. to interview the cop that jumped into Sunset Cliffs and saved the two, the two-year-old. Uh, twins. I mean, that's still something I, yeah, but I mean, this girl sure. would be, would be radio gold if we can get her on uh, under these circumstances. I got to figure her Harvard lawyer must be telling her no interviews. I don't care who calls. <laughs> probably. Or she probably got a Brown lawyer. Hey, you never know. The sheer entitled to say all lives matter. Right there, that's the word. There it is. That that sums it up in a nutshell. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. So there you go. There's the slogan now that you have. You do not listen to JV to the pros. I'm gonna stab you. There it is. 
Wait, uh, don't forget the little asterisk. We yes, we are joking, and whoever's listening, uh, Corey is just making a jest. This is does not constitute a threat. Paco, people understand sarcasm. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, no, I know. I know. I mean, not, not everybody is Sheldon. <laughs> oh, you want to talk All about right. sarcasm? I wouldn't start your car if I were you, Jack. So there we go. There you go. Hey, you want to go with the fat it's jokes? Funny. I can go with the Italian jokes, too. No, no, it's okay. I mean, I have a feeling that if you put a bomb under my car and I went out there and saw you there, I'd say, Paco, would you start the car? You're a nice guy. You probably start it. <laughs> It'd be a dead man switch. So Karen, what did you do over the weekend? What did Karen do over the weekend? Since she has to deal with you, I'm really interested. I uh, went to a friend's house for July 4th. Nice, and, nice. um, yeah, Jack was working, so I went over there and had some good steak. And that's about Ooh. it. I've been, I've been also, like, just getting my stuff together from New York. Got to figure out how to get the paddleboard over there. <laughs> nice, She's nice. trying to go on the plane. She's trying to go on the plane to New York with a paddleboard. Oh, I'm going to check it. Wait, oh, are you going to roll along it. the Hudson? Is that what you're going to do? Lake George. Oh, yeah. All right. Lake George. Lake George. 32 miles of lake. Woo. Yep. Wow. All yeah. right. You got to work so, the forearms. Wait, are you sure you're not going to oh, you're yeah. not going to dump one of uh Jack's little uh customers over with a, you know, with some bricks tied to it too, with a cinder block? <laughs> <laughs> or did they usually end up in the Hudson? I don't know, Jack. Yeah, you yeah, probably know. No, that's the East, it's the East, East River. River. East River. Okay. Yeah, we both we both know that. And in the spring, because bodies fill up with air in the spring, um, they line the side of the East River with fire trucks and grappling hooks. And the those that have been thrown off the um, Queensboro Bridge and the 59th Street Bridge, et cetera, they, they end up popping up as the cement breaks. <laughs> true true story. No, I believe you. I mean, so in the spring in the spring people gather people gather at the banks of the East River for floaters. <laughs> That's a true story. <laughs> I gotta, do, I gotta look this yeah. up. This is, is, is they, no, they, it's absolute truth. Do they still do it? Absolute. Oh yeah, yeah. People will, people will have two cars behind, holding back traffic. The lead car pulls over quick off the bridge. Everybody moves on. Pay your toll. You're gone. All right, all right. So, uh, Corey, what'd you do for the fourth? And then we'll get to me. Well, I think we got to me. I, I've been, I think you guys know what I've been doing. All right. You know what I've yeah. been doing. Well, Paco, did you do anything? Paco, did you do anything interesting? I did actually. Oh, okay. You know, you can stop that, please. I'm, I'm, uh, I want to, my ears are bleeding from the, from the white guilt I'm hearing here for this 4th of July was a little subtle for obvious reasons, but, um, I did get to do something I never done before. I went to a drive-in. They uh they're still open and they're actually thanks to uh, the theaters being shut down. There's been a resurgence in driving theaters. First what did time. you go see? What did you go see? Oh, obviously, uh, well they had Ghostbusters playing, so and I couldn't stop. I couldn't say no to that. So uh, yeah, it was the I first. Love, I love Melissa McCarthy. Don't you dare mention 2016. You know how much I <laughs> hated that movie. <laughs> I would love to get that director on the podcast and talk about, like, you know, how are you dealing with all the backlash? But uh, that's a conversation for another day. So, yes, moving on. I stab you, and while you're struggling and bleeding out, I'm going to show you my paper cut oh, and say, my cut matters too. 
No, well, you know what? I'm going right. to use something a little better than a paper cut. I'm going to use a proton stream. say all lives matter, I'm going to step, I'm going to show you my paper cut, and say, my cut matters too. You know, Corey, you're like a kid, you're you know like a kid who just discovered his dad's gun, and he's like holding it, and you're touching the trigger, you know? Well, you know, it's nice to have a guest, um, you know, on the show, so it's really cool. Yeah, we well, have, you know, yeah. it's, it's fantastic. And, right. You know, we need so, more guests. It's just that we, we need so, better guests. So, since right. we don't have Robin with a Y here, uh, she is making mask. I am sure that uh, Queen of Queens, Karen, is probably saying, let us move on. Yes. She's right. Karen is giving us, Karen's got her hand going in a circle. Move along. And, right. and Paco, Paco I just wanted to know if this line came up in the um in ghostbusters when you watched it just just tell me the next person who has the sheer nerve to say all lives matter i'm a step i'm a <laughs> uh i believe not no. all. All, right. all right okay so let's let's shift let's shift gears a little bit uh there was something i wanted to talk to you about and i didn't want to bring it up uh cory and i uh did the early show uh, out of LA and I didn't want to bring it up on that show but um, did you did anybody know there was such a thing as the black national anthem okay so full disclosure here and as an African American as a Native American and a Cuban American I have never heard of the black national anthem me neither I have to. I think, I think so. That would so, so here's the takeaway to this. In full disclosure, I need to educate myself on that because I had no clue that that was going. That yeah, me neither. Me neither. But I mean, I what no I'm saying, I, I get it. Caucasians would know about that. But what I'm saying is, given <laughs> what I am, given what I am, you would think that I would know, right? And I've investigated a lot of different things in history. But admittedly, this got past me. So I'm well, gonna I'm going to read that, and I'm gonna learn about it. But but wouldn't wouldn't a national anthem represent the nation, not a part of the nation? But if it's a national anthem, it shouldn't be an anthem directed at Latinos or directed at Italians or directed yeah. at blacks. Um, here's what I think you have going on now. I think what you have is, and I don't think that this is going to go on all the time. I think because this is a big movement, and I think that um, sports is jumping on the bandwagon now, and they want to be a part of this movement. That's what I think. But I, are you going to see this in 2021, 2022? No, I don't think you will. This I think is, this, this is, is all. It's a niche thing. It's it's yeah it, yeah. That's it, what it, I think. That's what I think this is. But what I will do for my own education, um, and full disclosure to my um, black brothers and sisters that are listening, I'm going to educate myself on this on this anthem. I'm going to learn it because I feel like I should know. So Jack, when you said that you wanted to bring this up, I was like, wow, I never heard of it. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I just I have to I admit, I, I've never heard of it. And so um, I, I didn't understand the purpose of it other than further dividing us when 
you know, the point is to put us on equal ground and work together. This seems like an added layer of the onion to divide. You know, don't look at it as division. Look at it as just like jumping on bandwagon that sports are going to do this. I, I, I think it's almost like pandering, uh, you know. I mean, it's like you didn't think to do this before, so now suddenly you're going to do it. You know, that's right. kind of where I'm at. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think it's important to, you know, if blacks want to know it, I think it's important but I think you should know the national anthem as well. I mean, know both. And if there is a Latino anthem, is there, if there's an Asian anthem, know that. I mean, I'm all for it. If there's an Italian-American one, I mean, know it too. I mean, be prideful to your race. I think if there's a takeaway from all of this, embrace your race and embrace your country. Embrace your race and set it all races as an actor who has done stage shows i can't uh, believe i'm saying this but it seems like a lot of memorizing <laughs> well you know what i'm not going to sit here and say that i'm going to like memorize it because i i'm full disclosure again i'm sure i won't but i will read it i will learn the origin i will at least know who created it i'll learn those things um so it's good, you know, I mean, it's a learning thing for me, Jack. So you brought this up and you've taught me something. You know, you've been saying over the last few weeks that I've been teaching you. So you've taught me something and I'm gonna go and I'm gonna do some research. Now, now okay. Karen Karen found out something about, uh -huh. um, what was it, the Nat Black National Anthem being, um, or what was being done before some, some event? Uh, oh, it's for the NFL. It's, they want to do it before the NFL. Oh my God. Yeah, that's totally pandering. That's I think okay. because Goodell, you know Goodell didn't give a damn before about what was going on before, before and Kaepernick, and I think he's just pandering now. Just like when he posted that video in his basement, you know, yes, Black Lives Matter. It's like, dude, you didn't give a rat's ass about Kaepernick before, and when your rich owner friends were blackballing Kaepernick, you said nothing. So, true. you know, I think this is just pandering. Really. That is true. And and I, also, I also think that if they want to do the black national anthem before the national anthem, before football games, now, how long before we're doing the Canadian national anthem because there's Canadians that are playing on the New Orleans Saints or we're going to play yes. the, the South Korean national anthem because somebody signed a kicker from South Korea and he plays for San Francisco where does this stop well well i don't uh, think like, like, I, like i said i don't think i don't think this is going to be i don't think this is going to be the norm i think right now you're going to not. see this you know, and keep in mind with hockey, and I follow hockey being from the East Coast, they do play the Canadian National Anthem and the American National Anthem. I was going to add about that, so they, yeah. So they do that. But I don't well, think... They do, you, that. They do that in hockey because yeah. you got teams from hockey, right. from Canada, playing an American team. So they, they honor both countries because they're playing, representing their country. Yes, but you know what? Let them do it because, see, Goodell and his rich buddies are terrified that they're going to take a hit financially. 
So they are going to cater. They are going to pander. They're going to do all of those things. So the bottom line doesn't get affected, and that's the dollar. I mean, Kaepernick has been languishing for, what, two years now? Two and a half no, years? Three, three. Three years now? So now all of a sudden, uh, Goodell says, oh, yes, Black Lives Matter. So this won't last. But you know what? It's, a, it's good for me to learn this, and it's good for other African Americans to learn this, and it's good for other minorities. If other anthems research the origin, nothing wrong with that, and learn it. All right. Well, I tell you what, that that was kind of something I I actually thought I actually thought you must be you know much more versed on this, but I I I was broadsided by the fact that this even existed but okay we're on the same page we think this is to me this is kind of the equivalent of you remember um a few years ago at sporting events they had those big long hot dog looking balloons and they would bang them together and it made a great deal of noise in in stadiums yeah and then they were gone i mean they were annoying as hell and they went this seems to be going to have that kind of lifespan i'll do you one better after September 11th, you had a lot of nationalism, a lot of brotherhood, bumper stickers, we will never forget. We had flags hanging everywhere. People were loving American and that kind of stuff. And look where we are now. It no, was, no, September 11th, what year? 2001. Thank you. We just spoke to somebody, a friend of ours, and mentioned 9-11. And she is in her late 30s. And I said, do you know when 9-11 happened? And she said, yes, 2011. And I said, oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, like, how is, yeah, how is history being well, that's forgotten? <laughs> I, got, yeah, I, got, I, I got one. Wow, that's pretty bad. Though. I mean, that's like saying you don't know what the Holocaust I, I was. Know. Yeah, it was 1957. I mean, I don't know what to say. You know what I have to say? You know what, Clara? What's your opinion on this, Clara? The sheer entitled caucasity to say all lives matter. I'm going to stab you. I'm going to stab right. you. Thank you, Clara. Yeah, I just wanted to get her right. Hey, wait, she's yeah, actually on a conference call here. Hang on a second. The next person who sure. has the sheer nerve to say all lives matter, I'm going to stab you. I'm going to show you my paper cut and say my cut matters too. Yeah, okay. she's over here. She's everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's important to know this. All right, so I think we've heard. I think we've heard from her. And, um, all you right, haven't so heard I from me, though. We, no, we haven't, Paco. Enlighten us. This is like reverse segregation, if you think about it. The whole point of having a national anthem is to instill national unity and pride. And there is no, there, I mean, and for those who are quick to cry out, like, I'm supporting this, you know, narrative. You have to understand the origin of the national anthem. It originally began as a drinking song in response to the uh, War of 1812 because the writer of the song, Francis Scott Key, was on board an, a US, an American Navy ship watching the British, uh, you know, you know, uh, take back, shoot at the, uh, I, I forgot what it was, but basically he was so enthralled at the moment that he wrote a song about it. It was actually a poem, and then it became a song, and then it later became the national anthem. 
Yeah, he's Paco's right. It was a drinking song. It was, oh, say, can you see 99 bottles of beer on the wall? 99 <laughs> bottles of beer. <laughs> you take one down, pass it around. 98 bottles of beer on the wall. Well, keep in mind, so, but here, here is something. I'm going to give you something from the other side, though. Here's the thing with the national anthem is that there are some problems with some of the lyrics in the national anthem and certain verses had to be removed as time went on. So, you know, as far as it being seeped in nationalism and, you know, and feeling good, not everybody felt good about the original national anthem. That is something to keep in mind there. So could you give the uh, uh, the uh, the audience an example of one of the original lyrics that didn't make the modern cut? Yeah, I mean, I would have to go into it so you to don't give have them, but I would, Paco, but do I, would you know? I don't have it right in front of me. No, well, I let's don't. ask our guest. Does she have it, or is she going to stab me? <laughs> I would. I would. <laughs> I would ask I would ask that the um, audience that's listening research yourself the original national anthem. Go into that and read the lyrics for yourself and decide for yourself. Well, you know what? What do you think, what do you think just, those lyrics? I just pulled up the original national anthem, and it uh -huh. does start off. Oh, can you? Oh, see, can you see? The next person who has the sheer nerve to say all lives matter, I'm gonna stab, I'm gonna show you my paper cut, oh my God. and say, flag for this. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> there you go. Thank you, Clara. The great thing about being guys is when we find something that's funny, it's funny forever. <laughs> hey guys, I have a question for you. Do you think I should? Uh, do I have a Do I have a chance with Clara, or she's gonna stab me, or can I close the deal? Paco, Paco, if she stabs you, that's a good date. <laughs> she better buy me dinner if she's going to stab me, you know? At the very least, first I think round. Said, yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Um, we, you know, we'll, we'll go into this again because we need to get, you know, we need to get furnished with more information about it. But, um, Corey, you and I were talking about last week uh, out of uh, Fort Hood, and um, yeah, and this is a military story. This is a heartbreaking story, and I don't know if our listeners know this, and I know Paco, Paco's aware, but this had, this had a, an absolute devastating end to it. Corey, why don't you, you know, why don't you fill the you know, listeners Jack, in on it? You know, Jack, it ended the way I, that I suspected that it would end. So. Vanessa Gillian, the 20-year-old soldier who was missing for two months, they finally found her remains. The alleged uh, murderer, uh, he was a specialist by the name of Andrew Robinson. Oh, they found, out who, they found out who killed her? He is the individual, he is the individual who shot himself when authorities approached him and the gal that he had helped try to dispose of the body they arrested her and so she's been giving now a lot of information and so wow. the, 
investigators are piecing things together right now. And so, yes, they have confirmed her remains, that, that the remains that they found not far from Fort, uh, Fort Hood are, are hers. And it was her remains were not on the base? No. What happened to her is that she was bludgeoned to death with a hammer. And I apologize. The name of the um, suspect, his name was Aaron, Aaron Robinson, another 20-year-old U.S. Army specialist. And so he took his life when authorities approached him because they had enough information. And so they approached him and he shot himself. And the, the gal that helped him dispose of the body, Cecily Aguilar, she told authorities that he confessed repeatedly to striking a Gillian in the head with a hammer and killing her because Gillian had said that she was going to report him for sexual harassment. So you were right in your, your suspicions were right because you thought this was about shutting her up about the yes. fact that somebody was about to be reported. Now, I, I yes. got to ask you, that if that was his motive, where does where does Cecily come in? Cecilia? Um, Cecilia or Cecily, if I'm pronouncing it right, you know, this is another Coryism that doesn't pronounce names properly. <laughs> she, she is his girlfriend who is estranged from another former soldier at Fort Hood. So he called her after he killed Vanessa and said, hey, listen, can you help me dispose of the body? I mean, this wow. is a Greek tragedy all the way around. Wow. Because, you know, I mean, there's there's kind of a an old expression in New York where um, they say a friend will help you move, but a good friend will help you move a body. That's a joke. But it's there's some truth to that in New York. But no. where, where he comes yeah. to call her up and say, guess what? I killed this person I sexually harassed. Can you help me? move and dispose of the body and she gets in her car or she meets him or she allows him to come pick her up i don't get that part of it yeah and you know and what's terrible well so many things are terrible about this you know in addition to vanessa you know a bright young soldier being killed is that to dispose of the body they tried to burn her and it wasn't successful so then they dismembered her and buried her in three different locations. Oh my God! Wow. Yes, in three different in three different holes in Bell County, near the near the base. Wow. That's. I mean, yes. you remember you remember you remember in the the the, the TV the Netflix series Ozark. I mean, they yeah. they bought a funeral home because they needed the crematorium to get rid of bodies. Right. Because that's pretty much the only way. You can really get rid of a body if you plan to burn it. If you just want to pour gasoline on and light it on fire, the body will still be identified. Bones and teeth are remarkably resilient. You know, the thing that I will tell our female listeners out there, um, if there's any takeaway from this, is that don't tell the abuser that you're going to file charges because the the report is is that Vanessa Gillian told Aaron Robinson that she was going to report him, and that's why 
he took the hammer to her and killed her. To me, that is like, um, you remember the old Batman show when they would sit there and say, oh, we're going to tie you up and slowly lower you, like in James Bond movies, we'll lower you down to the sharks and you will die. And they and remember how they made fun of it in Austin Powers? Right. So what are you doing? No, we're just going to leave him here. What's the problem? No, no, he can escape. Why don't you just shoot him? This is kind of like how it goes. Like you don't sit there and and give up that plan to somebody who has no choice but to either retaliate or face the consequences. And if they retaliate, they got a shot at getting away with it. And facing the consequences, they have no shot at getting away with it. You yeah, basically... it's, you know, it's awful. I mean, there, there's still a lot out there that um, I personally have questions. I mean, the two of them didn't, the two of them didn't work together. So I'm curious as to how he was in the, in the armory with her, because that's where he allegedly killed her, was in the armory armory where she was working. So I'm curious as to how that happened, that he killed her there and she told him, hey, I'm going to turn you in for sexual harassment. And then he killed her there in the armory and got her body out. There's still some questions that I have about the situation. You know what? Um, the FBI got involved with this, and um, <clears throat> I have to say, as as a great deal of our government has failed us on many levels for many reasons in many areas, and I don't just mean economically; <clears throat> I mean from a credibility standpoint, our our government has failed us tremendously. But if there is a crime that has been committed, a murder that needs to be solved, when I watch Dateline, when I watch the ID channel, and they call in the FBI, I'll tell you what, if they call in the FBI and you committed this murder, just confess. Because if the FBI is brought in, they are stupendous at this. They are sterling at solving these kind of crimes. They are, but here's the problem. The FBI has little jurisdiction over the Department of Defense. And so because this is an Army situation, CID, which are federal officers themselves, uh, the FBI, there isn't much that they can do. So, but I mean, FBI, I don't know. The FBI was involved with this. The FBI yes, was involved were. with this. They were involved in the search for sure, and they were involved in other things. But as far as the information coming out, if the Army, if the U.S. Army decides that they're not going to release certain information, we'll never know. Understand. Wow. Okay. <clears throat> understand okay. that the U.S. Is... Army, understand, Jack, that the U.S. Army is more powerful than the FBI when it comes down to it. Well, they're more powerful than the FBI on a military base in a military situation. If a crime is yeah. committed in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the FBI is brought in, the military right. doesn't get to over supersede that. Right. They don't have any jurisdiction. But see, the problem is this, is that the murder allegedly occurred on the base. Right. And it was soldier right. to soldier. And so the U.S. Army... They can say, you know what, we're not going to release the information, and they won't, right. and it won't be released. 
Okay. Now, shifting gears slightly. Sure. Um, you and I almost touched upon um, Bubba Wallace and the whole thing to, to, to kind of bring the listeners up to speed. Bubba Wallace is the only black NASCAR driver in NASCAR. And a couple, of weeks, a couple of weeks ago, Bubba Wallace, in the wake of George Floyd and everything else, Bubba Wallace claimed that he got to a track in Alabama or something and found a noose hanging in the garage he was assigned. Okay, so let me, okay, okay, Jack, Jack, let me go, go back. Let, go. let me go back and clear this up. So Bubba Wallace never saw the noose. Those were some of the people that worked his crew worked and discovered it. And what they did, they turned it in. Bubba Wallace never saw the news. Okay, so Bubba Wallace was saying that he had never seen this news before in the garage. And, and the FBI was saying that according to surveillance, et cetera, this was actually set up to pull a garage or a door or something. And it was literally set up like a handle to be able to yank on it to to get something to open above. And they said it's been there since 2018. Yeah. You know, my take on that whole thing is uh, I'm glad that Bubba Wallace didn't see it. That's number one. I'm glad of the, the way NASCAR is jumping into the 21st century. And I'm willing to just take the FBI at their word when they say that the noose has been there all this time. I find that hard to believe, but you know what? I'm willing to suspend my belief. It's kind of like when I watch um, superhero movies, you know, shows like the Avengers and that kind of stuff where you suspend your belief and say, okay, you know what? It's possible that someone could build a suit and become Iron Man or that, uh, you know, there's Norse gods up there you know, and you have the mighty Thor, that's kind of how I look at the new situation. Really. You're saying, you're saying Iron Man's not real? Yeah, and I'm saying that, <laughs> and I'm saying that a, um, um, something that looks like a noose that would be there for all of those months and nobody says anything, I find that hard to believe. And then suddenly, the pit crew for Bubba Wallace discovers that, I find that a little curious. But you know what? Hey. Well, hang on, hang on. There's there's more there's more to this because uh-huh. that setup, that setup to open up a door or something on the top of the garage, that setup with the the noose type of the handle is in other garages. Okay, I have a handle for my garage, and I which I can take a picture and show you. I promise you, it doesn't look like a noose. It just doesn't. I just find it curious that it looks that way. But I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I just find it curious. And I'm willing to it's, lose it. It's odd. It's odd. Yes. And it happens, to that. Bubba, and it happens to be Bubba Wallace. So I just find that very coincidental. I think, uh, you know? I think it but could hey, be. Um, and, hey, uh, Corey, have we ever entertained the possibility that this might be just another uh, Justin Smollett case? 
Uh, absolutely no, not. Jesse, because, Jesse, because, Jesse, Jesse, yeah, Jesse, Jesse Smollett. Sorry, yeah. correction, Jesse Smollett. Sorry. Jesse, J-U-S-S-I-E, Jesse. Thank you, Jack. So, no, because um, Bubba Wallace didn't discover it. He had no knowledge of it. This was discovered by Caucasian individuals' pit crew, and they brought it to NASCAR officials. Right, they brought it, so to, this had nothing they brought to, it to NASCAR's attention. Right, so this had nothing to do with Bubba Wallace. So to answer your question, absolutely not. Okay. Yeah, okay. Nope. But I do, like I said, like I said, it's curious. I'm just, I'm, it's interesting that it happened to be where he is. That's all. All right, we'll, we'll, we'll just kind of put that to rest. But I did yeah. want to mention it because because I thought I thought once they called the FBI in, this thing's getting solved quick. The FBI well, it, is it, it got solved quick. It took 24 hours. So I'm impressed that they yeah. took 24 hours to decide that this was not uh, any sort of hate crime. Very impressive to the FBI to do it in 24 hours. I agree. But, I agree. But you know what? But you know what? Here's my takeaway from all of this, putting the noose aside, is that I'm very happy with NASCAR. They have done away with the Confederate flag. So you can't fly that now at any of their tournaments. And that's a good thing. Well, let so, me ask you something. One of the one of the racer, one of the drivers said that if they pull down the the um, Confederate flag, he was gonna retire. Um, and no I remember one who was. Yeah, exactly. Pardon? No one will care. Nobody okay. will care. <laughs> All so right. Did he, did he step down? Did he step down or no is he knows. waiting till the end of the no. season? He'll probably wait till the end of the season, but it has no impact because, see, everybody that whatever they really believe it in their heart or not are standing by Bubba Wallace and they believe and they're saying, yes, the flag needs to come down. The president of NASCAR said it is no longer welcome. And I think that's a good thing because you know what? It's a good thing. Yeah, because you're going to open the sport up to other people now and you're going to open it up to other races. I mean, think about all the minorities that actually like racing cars. Why does it have well, to be a I'll tell you what, we talked about we talked about that flag last week and we talked about yeah. how it was on it was on that TV show on the car. Um uh, of yeah. yeah. Apparently, the guy that bought that car at auction removed the flag, not realizing okay. that it chopped the value in him. <laughs> you know, I mean, look, I mean, look, with the flag, you can't stop private citizens from flying the flag, you know, and that's fine. You know, fly the flag. That's cool. It tells me who you are. So that's good. Um, but you won't see it at the Pentagon. You won't see it at military bases. You won't see it at sporting events. And that works for me. Right. People will still fly it from their homes, but for, you know, as, as, as something that, that sends that kind of message, it's gone and that's fine. That's good. All right. So let's shift gears one last time. Fourth of July talk. Let's, let's lighten it up a little bit. Um, as a New Yorker and Corey, you're from that neck of the woods, even though it's Philadelphia, but you know how important the annual event 
at Surf and Stillwell is to New Yorkers in Coney Island. Come come Fourth of July morning, that's like Christmas one B as the Nathan's hot dog eating competition happens on uh, 4th of July. And we got a chance this year, Joey Chestnut broke his own world record of 72 hot dogs in 10 minutes and ate 75 wow. hot dogs. That's a 75 hot dogs. And on the women's side, Mickey Sudo, who was the reigning champion holding the mustard belt, um, it's, oh, I swear it's called the mustard belt. And if you get the mustard belt, that's like in, in major league eating MLE, the mustard belt is the king of championships. And Mickey Sudo broke the um, previous record of 45 hot dogs eaten by a woman in 10 minutes. And she ate 48 and a half hot dogs in 10 minutes. And she's a little, she's a little thing. She, I mean, Joey Chestnut doesn't look like a giant of a man either. But I'll tell you something. Um, few people know that I once played Joey Chestnut in a movie. What's that? Really? No, like, yes, yes. As a matter of fact, um, producer Karen is going to put it up on the Facebook page. But I did a movie called Blood Lunch. And what happens with the movie is kind of the way we're making fun of professional um, eaters as a, as a career. The movie starts out with talk show hosts and stuff, making fun of professional eating. Then there is the collapse of society and soon food is gone. And what is left are basically people and what happens is they go from punchline, the king of the food chains, because now they will eat anything, including people. And the king, and the king of, of major league eating, is this guy Jaws. And everyone knows Joe Chestnut. His nickname is Jaws. So I play Jaws, who is basically going through society by way of people to stay alive and everyone's in fear of me so it's a it's a movie called blood lunch and i play joey chestnut sounds like a trauma movie all right i'll tell you what i i, I wish tarantino had done it <laughs> but it's a very good movie as a matter of fact uh my brother richie thinks it may be some of my best work because it's just it's yeah. a very frightening what is it on YouTube or do you have a copy of it? I like to see this. You know what? We're gonna we're gonna I, I said we're gonna we're gonna post it on our Facebook page and I think it's on YouTube, but I'll put we'll put the link on our Facebook page and um, you guys will see. I mean there's a scene where I've got a, a, a Japanese wok and I'm cooking up what looks like hot dogs, but they're actual people's fingers. <laughs> uh, you know, so I'm making di- I'm making dinner. And even other professional eaters are afraid to cross paths with me because I'm, I'm that big. so it's called blood lunch. So anyway, um, but the Nathan's hot dog eating competition with no fans. And usually there's 15 or 20,000 people at surf and Stillwell. Um, there were no fans except for a few reporters, socially distanced, everybody, um, plexiglassed apart. 
and Chestnut polishes off 75 hot dogs in 10 minutes. And at one point, he went on a 15 hot dog a minute pace. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was it was interesting. We recorded every every year. I mean, to New Yorkers, you get up. That's like Christmas morning in the summer. <laughs> <laughs> wow, hot dogs. We actually went. My my brother and I actually went down there two days before this, just because we wanted to see the stage and everything. And they was they were only building the stage two days before. Which amazed my brother and I because we thought, gosh, they must be working on this for days. Where we, I wish I had the pictures, but we had all our kids standing on the stage as they were putting it in. They're like, go ahead, go on it, no problem. We were all standing on the stage taking pictures. Hey, what was the name but of that Japanese was, guy? He was the previous amazing. record. Sorry, Karen. Kobayashi. Kobayashi, yeah. Kobayashi, yeah. And uh, Kobayashi actually got banned. By and may, by the way, MLE Major League Eating is is actually like MLB right, it's and a the uh, sport. NBA. No, it's it's an actual business, I, and these I guys understand. have like they have records in eating cranberries and and you know and ducks and I mean these guys have records in beans and pies and it's just amazing. <laughs> but <laughs> wait, why, so why but, was Kobayashi banned? I gotta hear this. Well, he he was not invited uh, one year because he didn't qualify. You actually have to win um, like a couple other events along the way, and then you get invited to Nathan's, which is the Super Bowl. Right. And um, he didn't make it, and he was furious that he didn't get to go up against Joey Chestnut, and he tried to storm the stage, and security had to have him taken away, and he was arrested. So he has been banned. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. This is on YouTube? I, mean, I gotta see this. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's on YouTube. Yeah, Kobayashi getting arrested at Nathan's. He tried to storm the stage. Wait, hey, can you play that clip again, Corey? Okay. All right, well, I think we... Um probably should go to a commercial we're probably long overdue yeah let's yeah, let's yeah, let's go to a commercial we'll come back in a minute or so and then we'll go on what do you say we come back with uh, a little truth is alien Corey? i'm down for it let's do it let's do it okay all right all right i'm jack vecchio with my partner Corey ramsey we're going to take a little break and jv to the pros news views and oddities we'll be back in a couple of minutes thanks a lot <laughs> Is your small business, company, or corporation under a legal attack from a disgruntled former or current employee? It often happens where an employee decides to go for a money grab, hoping the business will just settle to make it go away. Well, this is wrong, and Paul Sorrentino of the firm Jackson Lewis knows this is wrong, and he consistently puts a stop to this method of extortion of businesses. Paul Sorrentino fights for you and protects you from sending out a message that you're an easy target. Paul Sorrentino is considered to be one of the five best attorneys in all of California. Many believe he might be the greatest labor attorney in the country. He represents individuals who may be getting taken advantage of by unscrupulous employers, as well as representing small businesses that might be wrongfully under fire. Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis is the premier attorney when it comes to labor law. He represents several corporations that depend on his expertise in class action suits in which the corporation is being targeted. There have been times when opposing counsel has walked into court 
realize they have to face Paul Sorrentino and immediately move to dismiss instead of letting the judge see that they're going to get shredded by Paul Sorrentino. Having Paul Sorrentino as your attorney is like having a legal superhero on your side. For any of your legal labor issues, call Paul Sorrentino of Jackson Lewis at 619-573-4900 and rest easy knowing Paul Sorrentino will take the best care of you. Call Jackson Lewis at 619-573-4900 and ask for the legal superhero, Paul Sorrentino. Tell him JV to the pros recommended you make that call. And we're back with JV to the pros. I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner, Corey, the Iron Man Ramsey. Corey, what do you say we do a little truth is alien? I think it's good. You know, I just want to hear from our, our guest, uh, Clara. So, Clara, what do you think of the show so far? I'm going to stab you. Oh, okay. Well, um, you know. Not a fan. This show, this show can be an acquired taste. I get it. But, um, you know, hopefully you'll listen a little bit more and you'll grow to, um, you know, like the show. What do you, I think what do you guys I think? She's com- I think she's coming around. She's softening her position. What do you think? I'm a stab. I think okay, she's gonna. Be, I think she her the the depth of what she's stabbing is not as deep as she used. She likes it, you know. So um, yeah, I think she's well, getting I mean, better. What if what if she went on a date with Paco? I mean, Paco, what do you think she would do? But what would you do with a, uh, with Paco on a date? I'm a stab. If you're bringing any weapons, at least buy the first round of drinks. <laughs> You expect her to buy when, when Corey and I were single, this used to be a compliment. But if you go on a date with her and she says, I'm a stab. I'm a sh- okay, then you're a good a problem. <laughs> so she is an attractive Paco. So Paco, I, I mean, I don't know if she's single or not. I'm not sure. I don't really know that much about her. I mean, maybe you could ask her. I mean, maybe you could talk to her and. You know, find out. Since she's a guest, why don't you just ask her some questions? Yeah, uh, I just need to be provided with some Kevlar or at least some body armor before I get anywhere near her. You know what I mean? Now, that's not I'm nice. What? You, See? you expect me to... Uh, look, I've already got a... Like I said, I've got a layer of, you know, fat around the edge here. So, I mean, that's that's one thing. But if that knife is that knife is really sharp, then uh, we got some problems here, guys. You know, well, I'll tell you I what, think, but I think either way... I'm a stabby. Yeah, it's coming. <laughs> yeah, I think, Paco, maybe you should present yourself in a nicer way to her. I mean, I think you approach her in a certain way, you know, maybe some flowers, maybe, I don't know, some wine, some candy. Look, I'll get maybe her a that- copy of The Communist Manifesto by Karl Marx, and she will love me. I'm a stabby. I'm a- <laughs> okay, I, I don't think she's down for that. So oh, well, come on. Should- well, if, her, if she wants to equate everything to, uh, you know, property and redistribution of the wealth, then, um, you know, fair game all around. But I think we're going too fast. So actually, speaking of communists, um, our Truth is Alien guys, sorry for the uh, rush here, uh, har- uh, hails from uh, China, if I'm correct? It hails from China, and that is a very good lead-in. You know, this place that I'm going to talk about is something that over the years has been considered the top 25 of the creepiest places on Earth. And the place that I'm talking about is the abandoned amusement park called Wonderland in China. Now, Wonderland was originally created because it was going to be the Asian version of Disneyland. 120 acres of nothing but fun, roller coasters, and all sorts of things. This 
occurred in the mid, I'm sorry, in the late 90s, 1998. They started construction, put up the castles, a lot of structures were put up, and then suddenly the place was abandoned. Now you may ask, what happened? Why did they uh, build so many structures and then the, um, the investors pulled out, the builders said, you know what, I'm leaving. A lot of it had to do because there's rumors that they uh, built it on a burial ground, that's one. And number two, the place was supposed to be haunted. Hmm. All sorts of voices, laughter, accidents, and it got to the point where the workers said, we're not doing anything with this place. And the investors, they pulled out. So for years and years, you had all of these structures just standing by itself. And no one did anything with it. Most you of know, it, I'm looking at the pictures right now, and it looks, it, it looks creepy. Yes. You know? If you Google the 25 or 20 uh, creepiest places on Earth, Wonderland will always be there. Because of the voices, because of the supposedly it being built on the burial ground, the ghosts that are wandering around. Uh, finally, the place, most of the place got torn down in 2013. And then in 2013, they built a shopping mall called the uh, Battling Outlets. And that was open in the summer of 2015, even though if you look at the images, the large castle is still is still up. So if anybody wants to go there, uh, to my knowledge, the castle is still there. And, but the place, and it looks pretty preserved, doesn't it? I mean, that's pretty yes. impressive. Yes. So it wow. just really tells you, it really tells you something. Now, I've done some more research and it just said, you know, oh, the investors pulled out because, you know, it would be a lot of money. I find that hard to believe that you would do all that building on 120 acres and then decide, okay, you know what? We're pulling out. Um, Corey. So, yes. So, uh. I think the explanation is a lot clo is a lot more mundane than supernatural, and I guess I have to be the dissenting me, voice here. No, but, go ahead because you give me what I already know. But go ahead, give it to me. All right, you already know, but the audience doesn't know, or maybe they have on. an idea. Okay, so as we all know, China is quickly emerging to be a growing economic powerhouse and outright mm -hmm. the second largest or the largest economy next second to the United States globally. So with that, there was also a housing and also a property bubble. Over the last 15 years, they have been building and constructing like crazy all over China in an effort to modernize and compete with Western you know, well, economies. Because they mm -hmm. now we have this growing population, which was largely agrarian up until the 1970s when they started uh, uh, loosening their co uh, the command economy and started uh, you know creating free market enterprises, albeit very controlled and restricted by the government, but still you know capitalist to a certain extent. So what you have here Can I is tell you something? Can I tell that? you something? You're losing, you're losing the audience by your explanation. All right. Well, look, I'm just giving you some background here, okay? Can't you just give uh, me I an A it. for effort? Just, you might have a heart, Corey. 
to the meat. Get to the meat of it. Tell tell us your point. All right. Well, let me stab you with this. Okay. So what I'm trying to say is, a lot of investors back then, and a lot of people just be instantly became billionaires, and they figured that they could keep building these, uh, keep building properties with the prospect that people would move into them. But the problem is, a lot of people in China just didn't do it. They never made that leap. A lot of them still live the way they did, close to what they did like a hundred years ago. I mean, yes, the er, there is a as a rapid urbanization, but it just couldn't compete with the demand. So that's why you have thousands of properties or uh, structures all over China that are just practically empty. This is the Wonderland is just one example of one of them. Like I said, uh, Vice when it was on HBO years back did a story about this about how there's like this runaway construction and then there you have all these ghost cities and some of these are really intricate. I would look uh, look them up yourself. These structures are like almost one-on-one -on -one replicas of like Paris, New York, LA. All they're trying to do is emulate what they see, you know, from a western uh from the west. Okay, so let me stop you because you're putting everybody to sleep. And so you haven't oh given a point. You haven't given a point as to why they pulled out. Well, the money ran out. That's what I'm trying to say. And twenty acres. And if they didn't have the money, they wouldn't have created all of those structures. What I'm saying is it ran out. <laughs> Nobody walks away from 120 acres without a good reason, Corey. They do if there's enough accidents. If there are enough accidents and if the workers refuse to work in there. Well, if they refuse, let me ask you this. If they did refuse, then why didn't they ask the government, because I'm sure they had connections there, to roll in uh, a T-34s and tell them to go back to work or else? Nobody wanted to do it because of all of the accidents, and no one wanted to do it because of the supposedly the ghost. Not mine. This is not coming from me. So ghost this as in single ghost, not ghost plural. No, ghost voices, things dropping, laughter. Paranormal phenomenon. Yes. Things that yeah, kind of like kind of like when you when you drop a topic, Bucko. Well, yeah. I'm gonna drop you in the river if you don't, you know, yeah, give me like a line you Corey, here's what I hear when Baco starts to join the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. You guys are terrible, you know that? You just, you know, don't, Absolutely. just don't lay on me. Lay on somebody else. Understand this. Yeah. Wonderland, Wonderland is something that I've been following for years. When they first decided to, to put it up, I've been following this because I've been really interested with it. And with all of the advertisement that they were doing and talking about, you know, that at this point, all of the people that were flying to Disney World wouldn't have to do that, that they could now go to Wonderland. And then it just disappeared. Well, wait a second. That Disney. Gonna a, that, that was going to be a major revenue generator. And then they just stopped. Well, you also have to remember, uh, Disneyland now has, uh, you know, has, you know, been operating in Shanghai for a great time now. Yes, but this was going to take away from that because this was going to keep the money in China. So they were completely invested in actually having Wonderland. Looking at these pictures, yeah. oh. 
This looks like it was very impressive. Yes. Yes. Like more more than Disneyland impressive. Like really over the top. You know? That was their goal. And for years, it was really interesting. For years, it was a place that people would go and visit. And so much so that I wanted to take Robin with a Y to go with me to fly out there just to see what it was like. She absolutely refused. I showed her some pictures, and she said, no way in hell am I going out there. Well, I'll tell you what, Corey, I would have gone with you because I'm looking at, like you've seen the Disneyland Hotel up in Anaheim. I'm looking yes. at the Intercontinental Hotel in Shanghai on Wonderland. Holy Gramoli. This thing yeah. is like it looks like Hoover Dam, except it's a hotel on water, and it looks like every every room has a waterfront shot. It's just really impressive engineering. Well, the project had gotten really far. And so at the time when I was reading about it, when all of a sudden they said they were abandoning it, I was surprised. Wow. I was very surprised when they when they just decided they were leaving it. And their explanation was, you know what? Well, you know what? Economics, you know, we're not going to do it. And so for years, for more than, actually it was 15 years, that they just kept the structures up because they were hoping to actually go back. And then finally farmers started uh, coming and reclaiming the land. But they had planned to... So part of, part of it's been compromised. Now. Yeah, now the, yeah, the place over the years, over years, the place was compromised, and then farmers started planting crops there, and then other investors said, you know what, we're going to put up a shopping mall. They started tearing things down, um, but the castle, to my knowledge, still remains. Yeah, I'm looking at a shot of the castle, and the castle is still there. And this this intercontinental hotel just blows my yeah. mind. It's awesome. Yes, but could you imagine said, what this said, place? It seems like it's haunted. Yes, haunted because it was supposedly built on a burial ground. I don't know that to be true. This is why this is the truth is alien. I'm not sure. But those investors pulled out for a reason, and I don't think you would build that much and then decide, okay, we're out. Well, you know, you know what Somebody... I would have said? If, if, I'm, if I'm the investors and I invested in this beautiful, beautiful piece of property here and the way it was being built, I mean, this is better than any Disneyland. But if somebody had come along and said, hey, we're just going to stop. We're not going to continue. It's economics. You know what I would have said? What's that? I'm a stabby. I'm... <laughs> okay. Funny. All right. So there you have it. Um, this is one of the places I have to tell you. Um, this is one of the places that I wanted to visit before it got torn down. And I used to talk to Robin with a Y, and I said, you know what? We need to go out there. This is a major piece of history. I want to walk the grounds and just see what it was like. But unfortunately, you know, they, you know, it's all torn down. I can only imagine what that place must have been at night. What I would, I would have loved you, to have gone there. I think that would have been awesome. Yeah, I do. You know, I do too. Just to experience and you know, and walk it and see 
if what people were saying were true, was the place really haunted? Were there voices? Were there, was there laughter? You know, what was going on there? So that's Paco. Paco, you didn't. You so didn't, there you, you have it, Paco. You didn't talk to the investors and say anything, right? No, of course not. No, uh, the uh, package is in the trunk, Jack. So uh, I need you to drop well, it mean, off. I could just see you at the investors meeting, and like as you're leaving, all they hear is. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. I'm gonna stab you. I'm gonna stab you. I don't need Claire to freaking tell me that either. Well there, you, well, there you have it. So there you have it. So the abandoned Wonderland Park in China, most of it is down. And you know, the question that I throw out there to the listeners, you know, do your own research. You know, was the place abandoned? Truly because of money, or was there something maybe a little bit more sinister? Decide for yourself on that. That is the truth is alien. SoCal Hemp Co. There's a good reason why CBD oils are all the healing rage. CBD oils relieve pain and soreness in joints, lower back, and soft tissues naturally. SoCal Hemco provides ultimate quality CBD oils for all your pain relief needs. Natural solutions for pain relief are the intelligent, logical solution for a better quality of life. Opioids have been exposed as a life-threatening form of pain management. CBD oils have been proven to ease and relieve pain, stiffness, soreness, and aches all over your body with a completely natural approach that has been proven to work and work well. Go to SoCalHempCo and put it in the promo code JV to the pros and receive 10% off all orders of $25 or more. Remember, use the promo code JV to the pros and get your CBD oils for relief of pain and injuries from arthritis, age, or anything else that may be causing you discomfort. CBD oils at SoCal Hempco is your path to becoming pain-free. back with JV to the pros news views and oddities I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner Corey Ramsey Corey how are you feeling I'm good I mean I I hope uh, people didn't get too creeped out by Wonderland that's a place that uh, has always interests me and you know with our guest uh, Clara you know Clara wh- what did you think about the truth is alien I'm a okay all right well um you know, I admit that that segment is not for everybody. Acquired so, taste. Uh, yeah, it's definitely an acquired taste. But, you know, maybe you will be interested in this next segment. What do you think, Jack? All right. Well, first of all, I think we need to acknowledge in show business this year, we've had an unusual amount of uh, celebrities um, pass away in the first half of 2020. And um, I think, first of all, we need to acknowledge some of them because some of those that passed away are people that I've worked with. And um, and I'm sorry to see them go, of course, but um, we'll, go, we'll go through um, a short list. Um, <clears throat> Buck Henry, who created Get Smart and was famous on the Samurai... Uh, pieces on Saturday Night Live with John Belushi. Buck Henry died. Um, 
Ed Burns. Do you know who Ed Burns is, guys? Yeah, I'm familiar with the name Ed Burns, yeah. Ed Burns played Vince Fontaine in Greece. Mm-hmm. And Ed Burns passed away. And at 101, Kirk Douglas passed yeah. away this year. And his last words were, Mike will get it done. Because <laughs> he, was, he was supporting um, the billionaire um, that was running for president. Um, so also, uh, at 93 years old, James Lipton, who had the actor's studio pieces. Oh, I didn't uh, know he died. Away. Yeah, he died. He died a couple of months ago, at ninety-three. Wow. And he had interviewed. He had interviewed everybody. Literally everybody. Oh, I mean, anybody that was anybody did that show for the um, for the students of that actor studio. Um, Little Richard passed away. Good dad and Miss Molly. Yeah. <laughs> Little Richard and Bill Withers passed away pretty much within days of each other. And, um, you know, um, most people did not know that Little Richard actually had a speech impediment and one leg shorter than the other. And he was tremendously bullied as a child. And once he broke out of that, he was unstoppable. Bill Withers had a string of really great, iconic hits in the 70s. I'm assuming they're going to come up on somebody's list as their all-time favorites for the decade. You know, I can um, tell you this about Bill Withers. Um, that song is not on, on my um, list, but it's a song that I try to sing. I try to hold that note when he sings Lee Day, and he just seems to go, and he holds that lovely day. I mean, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. He was amazing. And, and you he know what? That's a love song. Incredible. That's a really great yes. love song. I mean, that's saying that when, when I wake up, I don't know what kind of day it's going to be, but when I see you, it's going to be a lovely day. That's a beautiful song. Yes. And he also leaned on me, and I mean, he had he had several hit songs, you know. So. Oh um, yeah, he was he was big time. He was big time in the 70s. Yes. And, and I mean, he, he peaked in the 70s, but he had staying power. I mean, his songs were iconic yeah. and they were classics. Um, speaking of songwriters, uh, Jack, we actually had a recent death on Monday. And I think you guys are familiar with his tune, The Devil Came Down to Georgia. The Devil Went Down to Georgia. <laughs> oh, Jesus. See? That's... Yeah, we're, we're familiar with that song. Your song on that show. No, no. Corey, Corey, the devil came down to Georgia. You know what I heard? Dang it, Jack. Okay, it was... Can you at least say the guy's name? Uh, it's No, that was Charlie Daniels. Yes, Charlie he Daniels. 83 years old, and I think he died Sunday. Um, and, yeah, the devil went down to Georgia... I mean, almost everybody knows all the words. What a great story. That's back when songs told a story. I love that that song. And, and he is a gentleman, because I um, worked one of his concerts. No kidding. And, Karen, do tell. Well, you were a roadie? gentleman he was. Excuse me? You were a roadie? No, no. <laughs> yeah. that, that would have been my brother. I'm just, finding, I'm just finding out now. So you were a groupie. 
No, no. I actually did a private <laughs> catering for uh, for backstage and um, private such, catering. That, yeah. <laughs> In quotation no. marks. Come on, people. We're all. You know what? Here. To tell you the truth, guys, this is the first moment I ever found out that she ever had anything to do with Charlie Daniels. Yes, because I called you that night. Because remember, I said to you, I go, "You're not gonna believe where I'm working tonight." And you're like, "What? What?" And there was a lot of noise, and I said. I'm backstage, Charlie Daniels. What a gentleman! Oh wow! Yeah. Okay, I yeah. did not. Know. And Darius Rucker, I did too. Oh, and Darius yeah, Rucker, I, I knew about that. that. Yeah. Yeah, Hootie and the Blowfish. Okay, so let's finish up. Um, you know, Jack. Um, before you get to your list, there are def- there are two people that passed away that were uh, that I really enjoyed over the years. One was uh, Neo. Morricone. Oh, I was about to mention him. Oh, come on. He was the composer. He did the good, bad, and the ugly. But where I really got to know him, he did the uh, soundtrack, which is one of my all-time favorite soundtracks for The Untouchables. Yeah. Yes. And so he was 91 when he passed away. And so that was someone that I really uh, enjoyed over the years. And then someone else. Uh, that I thought would live forever. Robert Conrad, personal favorite of mine because I love the Wild Wild West, Bob Bob Black Sheep, some of those other things that I saw him on. that show. And, that, on the and that's, a man, that's a man that looked like a movie star. Yes. And that was, if you had the description a man's man, you think of him. I mean, he was someone in Wild Wild West who did his own stunts, you know, and he would embrace his injuries. I mean, well, get a I'll tell you what, as Merv Griffin once put it, Robert Conrad was one of those people that had the great gift of being really appealing on television because he had a larger head relative to his shoulders. Merv yeah, Griffin you know, felt that people with larger heads and smaller shoulders really were appealing on TV. That's true. Yeah, but Robert Conrad was a stud. He did his own stunts. He was just so cool. Even that battery commercial he did with knocking off. Yeah, I dare you. Yeah, Yeah. put it on your shoulder, I dare you, knock it off. I dare you. You know? I mean, even Johnny Carson did a parody of it. You know? I mean, it's just, he was awesome. Yes, he was on my list. And for anybody that has not seen the show, Wild Wild West, I will tell you to watch it. Think James Bond in the 1870s. I think most people are familiar with the Will Smith movie. (laughs) Unfortunately. That's that's actually too bad. Yeah. Yeah. With a big computer-generated spider and Kevin Kline. Well, you know, he wasn't bad in that one. So now we're going to get into the part of the list in which... I am directly connected. Mm-hmm. Um, Carl Reiner. Saul. At, 90, at 98, Carl Reiner dies. Now, what's the connection, you ask? Go ahead. Hmm. What's the connection? Thank you for asking. Carl Reiner did a movie about a young, arrogant, egotistical, self-centered, narcissistic actor in school. Your life story. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, I am, I, I, when you see the movie, The One and Only, I was getting calls 
from all over Toronto, from everybody I ever worked with, saying this is absolutely you. And Henry Winkler portrayed this self-centered, egotistical, full-of-himself actor who ends up egotistically, egotistically blowing himself out of the business, which for a while there I think I did by, by making fun of directors, etc. cetera. Uh, anyway, Carl Reiner, rest in peace, at 98 years old, part of the 2,000-year-old man skit. Um, Fred Willard passed away at 86, I believe. And I worked with him and um, um, the guy that did Fernwood Tonight and Jack Riley, who was um, Mr. Carlson on all the Bob Newhart shows. I did a, I did a movie with those three and we'll post pictures on the Facebook page of the, of the four of us. And the funny thing is, um, I couldn't get the three of them to take a picture together because they don't take pictures with just actors. So I told them I wanted to take a picture with Fred, but Fred said he wouldn't take a picture unless Jack was in it. And then Jack, I went to Jack and I said, Jack, I wanted to just get a picture with you, but Fred said he has to be in the picture also. And they all took it as a compliment and I got all three of them in the same picture, which other actors thought was like an amazing feat. Um, Jerry Stiller passed away. Yeah, that was... Uh... Seinfeld. And Seinfeld, um, a show I proudly worked on but didn't understand at the time and turned down a recurring role on. Yes, I did. So I didn't get the show, so I, I went on to another series, and that series failed, <laughs> and Seinfeld went on to do pretty well. Um, the last one I have on my list is Brian Dennehy, yeah, who is one of, one of about 11 people that puts me one degree of separation from Sylvester Stallone as he appeared in First Blood with Stallone. And Brian Dennehy was on Dynasty and tons and tons of movies. I did a movie with him called A Search for D- Justice. And the other person in that movie was the... Uh, Charles, um, Charles, I think his name was Durston, who played the black um, uh, um, janitor in Rudy. Oh, uh, Charles Dutton. Rudy. Dutton, that's his name. And I'm actually in the scene with Charles together. And so I'm in the scene with Charles and Brian Dennehy. And I made the big mistake of correcting the director which got me nearly completely edited. <laughs> what was you know what my favorite movie with uh, Brian Dennehy was? Well, it's, it, it was Tommy Boy. I love Tom. I love that movie. He had a great supporting role as Big Tom Callahan. It's like the way he edited, the, the way he registered on camera was just was phenomenal. You know. Let me t- let me tell you a little little short story from from the Kenny Rogers the Gambler. Yeah. Um. So it was it was Gambler Part Four. Luck of the Draw with Reba McIntyre. And um, anyway, it had, had a whole bunch of celebrities in this. They had a big, big budget, and Dick Wolf took care of everything. Well, I got cast to play Gentleman Jim Corbett in the very first heavyweight gloves fight boxing. And the guy I was supposed to box found out that I, was, that I actually was a trained boxer 
and on the day of shooting, didn't show. So Kenny Rogers ended up putting me in the corner as the corner man with Rick Rosovich from Top Gun. And we ended up shooting it without the scene of us fighting in 1906 in the very first heavyweight gloves fight. Two more that I want to add in, if you can splice this in. Sure. I think it's important. Um, important actor, uh, Ian Holm, mm. I think is a very... How can we forget about Ian Holm? Yes. Um, very good British actor. Um, Jack, you're Wait. watching... Um, you've watched From Hell, and he played the... Uh, he played Jack the Ripper in From Hell. That's Ian Holm. He was and also... I, I, I didn't have him on my list. Uh, he was I all. Have him on my list. I recognize him obviously. Well, first uh, as Bilbo Baggins, the original Bilbo Baggins from the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, and uh, well, remember uh, he played the android uh, Ash in Alien One. Oh yeah, I'm aware of all that. Oh yes. And then, and then probably the most shocking death of 2020 has to be Kobe Bryant. It really was. I actually was talking to a friend of mine a day or two after that, after the accident, because uh, I have a friend out in Al- I have a friend in Alpine, and her boyfriend uh, has access to a helicopter. They actually were going to fly that day, and then he got a bad feeling yeah. because you know it was uh, where was it? Where was the original crash? It was in uh, Calabasas, right? The point is, is that 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 was a shocking death. Um, you know, and there's been so many for us to cover. I mean, you've got Orson Bean. Who also passed away? I mean, there's so many. There's so many people that have passed and continue to pass. I mean, every year we just lose great talent, and I, I think sure that's do. the biggest takeaway from all of this is that each year talent drops off. We're watching the people that we grew up with, the people we grew up seeing, people from TV shows. We're watching that that whole era go. I mean, I've, I'm at my age. I've got about a hundred years in front of me. And I think by the time I go, everybody I watched on TV and listened to on the radio may be gone by the time I die. All right, let's go on to what I consider to be not only the last original decade of music. Amen. But to me, what did, what did Robin say? I said amen. Robin with a Y has come has come back for this. <laughs> Hi, Robin. We missed you. Music. Oh yeah. But the question is, 70s music. Casey Kasem doing that countdown every week. Um, I gotta tell you, this will be. I I still listen to the countdown on on Sirius every week on the weekends. They pick a year and a a week or whatever, and they they do a complete countdown. And and I'll tell you what, it is so funny to hear Casey Kasem in the 70s saying, and next on the countdown is a group called, and I'm not making this up, Steelers Wheel with stuck in the middle with you. (laughs) So here's the thing, thing, though. When we do this, here's the rule for the old heads. It can only be five. No six, no seven, no ten, only five. I want to do this. You've got to pick five, not ten. That's the rule if we're going to do this. Geez, I had six, and it's my favorite no, decade. You've got to pick five. All right. All right. So, okay. we, re- so we read only five. If anybody uh, goes beyond five, we cut it out. 
Where was this oh, room no. when Robin with a Y was going over? <laughs> well, you know what? He is specifically saying that toward me. Yes, I'm saying that for Robin. No, because no, I I, I'm, I'm already asking for leeway on this 70s because the 70s, I just, I mean, I could have picked probably 90s. <laughs> same, same here, same here, but I'm doing, I'm going with five. Okay, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with so she doesn't steal. I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with five. Five. I'm going to go with five. All right, let's Cinco. do five. Can I go first? Hey, Paco, yes. Paco, this is 20 years or 25 years before you were born. What Not are your five? Real house. All right, number five is Dancing Queen by ABBA. Number four is Case, I'm Your Boogeyman by Casey and the Sunshine Band. Number three is Paranoid by Black Sabbath. Number two is Papa Was a Rolling Stone by The Temptations. And finally is Highway to Hell by ACDC. There you go. Oh, Highway to Hell is a good song. That's a really no, good song. Okay, can, I, can I ask a question on that? So, <laughs> Papa, Papa was a Rolling Stone uh, by The Temptations. That was in the 70s? Yeah. Yes. Yes. 72, okay, I believe. 70, it, was, I, I thought, it was 77 or 78. I I thought that was the Staples Singers, so maybe I'm off on that. No, 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 no. I thought that the... No, there was okay, a big... I thought Temptations sang it in the 60s, and then the Staples Singers... Um, remade the song in the 70s. That's the negative Ghost Rider. It uh, was released in 1972. And there was a big okay. scene. There was a, and there was. Good enough. Thank you for educating me. Thank really? You. Thank you for educating me. Perfect. Okay. So, Paco, Papa was a Rolling Stone. What are your other four? I just said that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Moving on. So, Jack, anything from the Goodfellas soundtrack would work. No kidding. That was a bunch of 70s. Well, hang on. Let's get Robin with a Y, and then we'll go to Karen, and then we'll work up to Corey and I. Okay. Don't look at my list. I won't look He's at He's trying to peek at my it's list. He wants, he wants, I know. I don't want to It's not a quiz. It's I an know. opinion. You can't get it wrong. Okay. So, any song by Boston is absolutely outstanding. Okay. Oh, I um, love Boston. I love me Boston. Too. That's such a great, great, great band. Um, greatest, what's going greatest on? intro, greatest intro of any song ever. Yes. It's been such a long time. Yes, it's a, that is such oh a great Oh my gosh, that's, that's so awesome. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, Agreed. next, what's going on by Marvin Gaye? Oh, yeah. Great song. Uh, let's see. More today than yesterday. Oh, more today than yesterday. And actually, that one is a '60s song. It was done in 1969, but I added it because it is such a friggin' amazing song. It's by Spiral Staircase, and it reminds me of my mother every time I hear it. And we heard it the other day, and I told Corey, "Oh my God, that song reminds me of my mother." And you know I could just picture that's, her. It's one of our. It's one of our wedding songs. Oh no, kidding! No kidding! Nice. And I will support you. I will support you on the '70s because it has made the top '70s. Oh, okay. So, All right, Cooley. I support yeah, you. I just, I just checked, and it actually qualified as 1970. It qualifies for 1970. Perfect. Okay, and so then the next one is um, any song by Michael Jackson. And never then, heard of that song. Michael okay. Jackson, the singer. 
you know, the, the no, king no, of rock. You gotta pick a, you gotta pick it's a gotta song. specific one. Yeah, you gotta pick a song. Uh, I didn't pick a song. Rock with you. Rock with you. Very good. Rock with you. From and the then, off the wall album. Yes, and off the wall for that matter. 1979. Very good. And uh, kiss you all over by Exile. Oh, guess what, Robin? What? I have um a stack. And I mean a stack of like 40 or 50 45s. You know what uh-huh. 45s are? Of course. Yes. Okay. I have a stack that my mom left me of Beatles on Apple. And I have in this in the records, I have several records from the 70s. And I have Kiss You All Over. Uh-huh. On I have this single on 45. That's awesome. And quick fact, I have sung that song about... 50 times in karaoke because I love that song that much. Yes. I would tell you what, we're going to go do karaoke. I got to watch you do it. So Gary's going to do her list. Here we go. Here we go. All right. We have Stairway to Heaven. Good tune. Okay. Crocodile Rock. Wait a second. She didn't mean that. Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. Anything Rod Stewart. Hang on one second. Anything Rod Stewart. You had Crocodile Rock. Excuse me. I'm a stab. I'm a stab. <laughs> no. yeah. Robin, you're just getting Thank it you, with this. It's getting a little, you know. <laughs> um, so anything Rod Stewart, Freebird, Ballad of Curtis Lowe, and that's about it. Wait a second. You're a huge... Rod Stewart fan. Karen is a huge. She has gone to see him three hundred plus times in concert to the point where Rod was recognizing her down in the front row and gave her a signed <laughs> soccer ball. No so kidding. You got to pick your favorite Rod Stewart song. What is it? If you got on a deserted island, one Rod Stewart song. Which one do you pick? You can't. Then you get none. Okay, she's out. <laughs> All right, Corey. Oh, by the way, by the way, Corey, do you remember last week I was telling um, you and Robin and Paco, I was saying that um, I had a piece of interesting trivia about 60s music, and I I forgot. We signed off before I could share it. Um, Do you guys remember a group in the 60s called the Zombies? Time of the season. Yeah. Remember that group? Okay. Well, the Zombies... Broke yeah. up in 1969. Keep that number in mind. Later that year, producers got together and they decided to form a band, a three-man band, and call themselves the New Zombies. Well, the Zombies are still contractually you know, obligated to protect their brand and their music, and they didn't want a group being called the New Zombies. So they sued... And the producers had to change that group's name to Dramatic Pause. They changed the new zombies to ZZ Top. No kidding. What? ZZ Top was the new zombies, and they changed yeah. it, and ZZ Top has had a 50-year career since then. You're kidding me. With the oh guys with the, with no the big beards and the spinning guitars? Yeah. They what? were the new zombies, and they got sued, and they decided to call themselves ZZ Top, like above the zombies, ZZ Top. Now, Jack, did they have that gimmick as early as back then, or that was something that was uh, something they de- developed or later on? No, they were going to let their beard grow until they became failures in music. 
Well, you know. And the beards are still growing. All right, Corey, you were alive in the 70s, although you were about three. What do you got for music? Well, like uh, like Robin with a Y and like you, Jack, I mean, this was very tough. And so apologies to all of the songs that I listened to, you know, on my iPod and all the groups that I love, but I just came with five. And I don't even know if all five are my favorite, but I just decided on five. Nice. So... You don't know. You don't Here know your favorite number five is a night to remember by Eddie Holman. It's uh, and a little bit of disco. Yes, a great song. And then "Lover Leave" by the Spinners. If you're familiar with R&B, the Spinners, that was your thing in the '70s. "Lover Leave," great tune. "Jazz Man" by Carole King. Oh, I mean, I hear that song. And I'm toe tapping, I'm I'm wagging my head and just shaking my head, yeah. and it just takes me back. Maybe one of the five greatest not, albums ever was Tapestry. I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. I'm yeah. with you 100 percent on it. Yes. And maybe one day, maybe one day, you know what? We'll talk about our favorite all-time favorite albums. Oh. Sorry. And that might be that might be one of mine. Yeah. Number number two. Of course, in no in no order. Another song that just makes me shake my head all the time, "Old Days" by Chicago. Oh, good tune. Yes. I mean, it just really invokes something in me. It's one. Of, do you ever have a song that maybe not makes you want to cry, but you're just like you just you love it so much you ache. Mm. That's how I feel about "Old Days." When I hear that song, nice. No matter where I'm at. Even though I have it on my iPod, I have it on my uh, CD, I hear it on the radio, I play it. So my all-time favorite song, I think I'll say this is my all-time favorite song of the 70s, Sister Golden Hair by America. Mm. 1975, number one song. Number one song of 1975. My personal opinion, the best year of music in the 70s was 1975. 75, really? 77, 78. Yes. Yeah, I was going to say 77, 78, but 75 yeah. I thought was kind of flat. I know. See, the reason why I'm going to say 75 because you had, of course, you had America. You had a lot of Elton John songs. You had Neil Sedaka. Mm. You had the advent of funk. So you mm. had Love Roller Coaster by the Ohio Players. Fire by the Ohio Players. I mean, there was a lot of stuff going on. Google 1975. You'll understand why I say the best year of the 70s. Hey, I, I think, I think, I told you, I think the best decade and certainly the greatest music of a movie soundtrack, I think, was Rocky 76. I think this was... Is my opinion, but Jack, I'll, I'll, I'll do one better. I will say for the 1970s, I'd say best music. Best movies, best television shows. My it's personal. the last original decade of entertainment. Everything started to get covered after that because they ran out of things to do. I, I would absolutely say if you think about the music, the television, movies, yeah. you know, and that would be that would make for a good debate sometime. You know, what yeah. decade you think is the best. 
because I'm sure yeah. Paco might uh, have something to say about that. Maybe Karen too. TV, TV in the 70s was so exciting because it was basically three channels. Yes. And yeah. you had to be you had to be committed to something as TV came on. And and a lot of people don't realize that TV shut off at like one in the morning and yeah. didn't come back on until six in the morning. <laughs> yeah, and you really and I'll tell you, you couldn't bring junk. I mean, back then. I mean, cop shows were gritty. I mean, we think that Law and Order is gritty, but go back and look at Beretta and Starsky and Hutch. Beretta is my favorite. My favorite TV cop of all time is Beretta. But I used to watch Mannix. I used to watch. I mean, all those all those TV cop shows were fantastic. McCloud riding around on a horse in New York. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, McCloud. Good old Dennis Weaver. Yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. What are your top five, Jack? Okay. Um, well, anything from um, Goodfellas? I mean, I, I, yeah, yeah, the soundtrack of Goodfellas, right? I mean, we all remembered Gladys Knight and the Pimps. Yeah. You know, okay. got to use my imagination. Um, yeah. But here's my list. Um, that was his number American six. Pie. <laughs> oh, good tune. Don McLean, gotcha. Right. Um, I'll Take You There by the Staple Singers. Oh, yep. great song. Um, Bill Withers, Lean On Me. Lean On Me? Okay. 1971, the song I thought would be on at least three lists out of this group. The song that nobody had on their list. And one of the most iconic and meaningful songs ever. 1971. John Lennon's Imagine. Imagine! I just told Corey that. Yeah, she just whispered that to me. Imagine. And yeah. 1974, the song that I think was the most difficult song in the history of songwriting to write. Life is a Rock. Life is a Rock by Reunion, yes. Reunion. <laughs> yeah, Robin knew it. So Jack, so, Jack, you started this, and you said that... Um, we wouldn't know the songs. Every song you just named, I have on my iPod. You had Gladys Knight, uh, Got to Use My Imagination? Yes, and I have Reunion by Life is a Rock. I have John Lennon. You have, re wait, well, you have Life is a Rock by Reunion? Yes. That's a great song. Yeah. Oh my God, that's a great song, but for, so few people even know that song, uh, and I just I love that song. Yeah, love yeah. the song. Baby Bumba and the singers, Matthew Hooper, Rachel Singh, the Lightning Mac, a 20 need to use your good city. Yeah, I love that song. Um, and you have, let me, let you me bring have you, you there by the Staple Singers. Yeah, I have that too. Jack, let me bring you into something um, really quick. When you come over, some, uh, next time you come over, I'm going to show you my iTunes list, and you'll see how I have things broken down. Robin with a Y can tell you. Meticulous. M music is my thing. I grew okay. up. See, understand, I grew up as a kid, and we had an intercom system in my household. So I grew up listening to music. No kidding. All my life. Wow. We didn't have an intercom system, but we listened all to my, music all the time. All my life. So I I have things broken down to the years. That's why I can I'll tell, tell you. What. 
we we will we will go out for dinner and talk some music sometime because I constantly yeah. listen to Sirius now and I'm constantly learning things and I'm just I'm in love with that decade especially but pretty much all the 60s all the 70s oh, yeah. and about two years or three years into the 80s I'm in love with mm-hmm. oh yeah yeah I mean I've got the one I gotta, bring my, I gotta bring my iPod uh, over and let you take a look at my workout my workout list because I have like Candyman on there. <laughs> I got Disco Disco Duck. <laughs> oh, I've got Disco Duck by Rick. Rick D's, yeah. Absolutely. Been a, uh, of this. So on my so on my seventies rock and pop, I have two on there. That's just on my rock and pop. But I have a broken down rock and pop. R&B, soul, disco. He has it by genre and yeah. by decade. Wow. That's how meticulous I am. When I, when I bring over the iPod, I have to show you my motorcycle music. It's just, it's literally okay. 27 hours of motorcycle music, music that you want to ride a motorcycle to. A lot of Bachman right. during overdrive, you know, that kind of thing. It's, oh. it's, Oh, taking yeah. Care of, taking care of business. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Got them, too. Yep. White cherry. Yeah, we, oh. we, I mean, it was super hard to come up with. And it was super hard to come up with a list of we should do, to we narrow should it do down to five. Second, we should do our second five of the 70s next week. <laughs> I think that's great. Idea. You know what? I think with the three of us and maybe even the four of us with Karen, given our age, We'd probably have to do about ten different passes. Yeah, seventies. Not for me. Seventies is not my genre. Yeah, Karen. Karen is an eighties genre. She's all about the eighties. So there's so there's the three of us. I mean, there's a lot that I left on the table. I mean, I didn't even touch Earth, Wind, and Fire. There's a Same. lot of there's a lot of Chicago. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. Let's make an exception and let's do a separate five for the seventies next week. Sounds good. I'm okay. all for it. Please, I mean, I'm... okay. All right, guys. This has been a fantastic show. This has been so, a lot of fun. I don't know. All right. I don't. I, I don't know how our guest feels about it. I mean, now that it's wrapping up, what do you think? I'm as happy. Okay, not as happy as I thought. Okay. You know what? I think we we don't talk to her now, so maybe we should really, really hear from her and find out just what she has to say. Person who has the sheer nerve, the sheer entitled capacity, all lives matter. I'm a step. I'm a step. And while you're struggling and bleeding out, I'm gonna show you my paper cut and say my cut matters too. Okay, so I think it's important. I think it's important to realize that while we had, you know, Clara as a guest, that you know, not everybody, not everybody, you know, condones, you know, condones that kind of talk or certainly violence. Well, you know, what that attitude. Corey, after, attitude. She, after she attended Harvard, I don't know how to put into words what her future looks like, but I think it's something like this. <laughs> Yeah, I think she's going to be struggling to, uh, you know, to get a job. You know, I do know that Paco is definitely interested in having a date with her. I do well, know I'll tell that. you what, I think she's going to be roommates with the woman in Central Park who called the police on the black guy. 
The two of them are going to be out of work. No, and I don't homeless. Think Clara, no, I don't think Clara's interested. I don't think Clara would be. Clara is down for Black Lives Matter. I think she just, you know, she. No, but if she were roommates, to present herself in the property. If she were roommates fashion. with the woman in Central Park, it would go something like this. I'm a savvy. I'm yeah. Okay. Yeah, I see, and and that's why we shouldn't, you know. I hope that she doesn't think that way, but you know, I like to think that she has learned something from all of this. I mean, what do you think, Clara? Have you learned? Have you learned anything from this? Seriously. The next person who has the sheer nerve, the sheer entitled capacity to say all lives matter, I'm a stab. Okay. All right. Well, I mean, I think she, I think she's pretty rooted in on her opinions, and well, I don't think we're going to change her. I got, I got the woman from Central Park on the other line. You want to hear what she has to say? The next person who has yes. the sheer yes, to say all lives matter, I'm a stab. I'm gonna show you my paper cut and say my cut matters too. I think hey. that's a match made in heaven. <laughs> oh, Clara. Well, that's Clara. Oh, that's Clara. I wanted to hear from the person in the park. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're, they're one of the same. <laughs> the, one, the one in the park. Our life went something like this. Do not want Clara in with that. So it's good. You know, I think what we need to do is we need to have Clara on, you know, on the show. And maybe we can get her to talk a little bit beyond, you know, some as of the things a, as that she's saying. Guest, and maybe to, as know, a regular guest, we'll have her just say a little something here and there throughout the show. Here yeah. and there. All okay. right. That's fair enough. All right. I'm Jack Vecchio, and that is season two, episode 27 of JV to the Pros News views and oddities i'm here with my partner corey the iron man ramsey and corey let's give credit where credit's due because we don't have a show without our supporting cast absolutely we got paco the last man standing hi oh yes right we have robin. genius we have Robin with a Y who came in strong. That's right, our producer extraordinaire. She came in strong. And we have we have Karen, the Queen of Queens, New York, the Queen of Queens, who is heading back to Queens for a few weeks, and co-producer of the show, who has been updating our Facebook, updating our Buzzsprout all while contributing today. So we've been having fun and she's been working. Um, we want to thank her. We want to thank our other producer, Robin, with a Y, for the great job. Yeah. And uh, let us, thank you. And let us not forget our guest, because we've had a guest on <laughs> all the way. So uh, Clara, I hope you enjoyed your time with us. Yeah, that's and, right, Clara. Uh, Clara, if we had forgotten to say thank you, what would you have felt? I'm going to stab you. Yep, there would have been a problem. Mm -hmm. All right, so, no, we know. Okay. Give Clara her due. All right, so, and, if you want to reach out to JV to the Pros 
You can get us on Facebook, JV to the Pros, all spelled out. You can also reach us on Stitcher. You can get JV to the Pros on iTunes. Also, JV to the Pros on Spotify, JV to the Pros at Instagram. And for comments and compliments, you can email us at JV to the Pros, all spelled out, JV to the Pros at gmail.com. I'm Jack Vecchio with my partner in broadcasting, the Iron Man, Corey Iron Man Ramsey. Deuces, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.